This episode of Truth Table is brought to you by Truth Table. By Truth Table, Black women's musings on life, love, and liberations everywhere where books are sold. Online, in the stores, at your mama's pop bookstore. Go buy our book. Everywhere. Period. And the Christian Standard Bible. And Unbossed and Black Girls Unbossed by Christy Lauren Adams, published by Broadleaf Books and Beaming Books, celebrating the leadership of Black women and girls then and now. Learn more at ChristyLaurenAdams.com. Hey, y'all. Welcome to Truth Table. Midwise the culture for grace and truth. I'm Ikemini. And I'm Christina. This table is built by Black women and for Black women. So welcome to the table, see How you doing, girl? I'm doing good. I feel like we're we edging closer and closer to springtime. I feel like we're, we're getting there. We're, we're inching our way there. And you know, the people know how we feel about the weather and the environment and all the things. But I am doing really, really well. It's um, lots of really good, exciting things are happening, even in the midst of, you know, this wild, wild world that we live in. So I'm counting my blessings. How about you? How are you doing, friend? I'm good. I'm good. Yes. You know, the season change. I'm here for it. Here for it. Not here for the allergies. Not here for the allergies. But I am here for not here for the allergies. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what? Like like we've been saying, this season of Truth Table, I just I'm just saying we got some heavy it's fancy. Here. It's a very it's a very fancy season. Is the it's word fancy. I would use. Truth Table's coming up, man. Yeah. Truth Table is coming up. Yeah. I'm, I'm excited <laughs> about um, the topic we got on the table today, y'all. Mm-hmm. It's we love the kids. We love That's right. Kids. We do. Because we do. We, we do. do. The children are our future. Teach them yes, well and let them lead the way. Come Show on them now. all the beauty that they That's the time. Hey, real lessons in that song. Real lessons. <laughs> real lessons. <laughs> Very formative for me as a child. Okay. Um, anyway, <laughs> so, we love the kids. Absolutely. We love the kids. And y'all, first of all, we have so many people at the table. I do it. It's a house party. I'm pop locking and yeah, anyway. Um, so All the things. There's so many people at the table. I'm just gonna have them introduce themselves, okay? But I'm gonna I'm gonna say who's at the table and then they are gonna introduce. Me. Yes, yes, yes. Say the names and then Here's call them out call. one by one so they can give an introduction. Here's a roll call. All right, come here, truly a new bill. Come here, Dorena <laughs> Williamson. Come here, Christy Lord Adams. And come here, right. Esau McCulley. Welcome. <laughs> Welcome to the table, y'all. Oh, my goodness. Can y'all introduce yourselves? I just... Yeah, yeah, yeah. And why don't we start off with, with Christy? Because I know that they are, they are, they are so... Um, they're so respectful. We're definitely going to have to introduce them by name. So, Christy, introduce yourself to the yes. people. Well, hi, everyone. Again... This is my second time at the table. It's an honor. Um, uh, I am the author of uh, Parable the Brown Girl and a book called Unbossed, How Black Girls Are Leading the Way. And my day job, I work at a boarding school called The Hill School as a dean of spiritual life and equity. Awesome. Good to be here. Excellent, excellent. Oh, Dorina, <laughs> let us know who you are. Well, good morning, ladies. I am so grateful and honored to be at the table with you all today. I am a first lady and I live in uh, the Nashville, Tennessee area, Franklin. And I have written five children's books, Colorful, Thoughtful, and Graceful, and then The Celebration Place and Crowned with Glory. And I think when this comes out, I may have a couple more that will have released as well. Awesome. Wow. That's a, that's a busy woman right there. Trillia, introduce yourself to the people. Hello, my name is Trillia Newell, and I just have cracked up at your intro. <laughs> just listening to you all is so much fun. So much fun. So I am, am an acquisitions director. I'm the acquisitions director at Moody Publishers. And so I get to lead our team of acquisitions editors, and it's an absolute joy. And then I um, have written three kids' books. Uh, The latest one is called The Big Wide Welcome. I've done uh, God's Very Good Idea and Creative God Colorful Us. And it is a joy to get to write for the children and and encourage them and encourage parents along the way. Awesome. Thank you so much. And last but not least, you know, we don't have a whole lot of brothers that come to the table, okay? And we are far from Miss Sandra's, as as Akimini likes to declare to the people. We, we, We love the brothers. And we have uh, our brother, Dr. Esau McCulley, at the table today. So introduce yourself, Esau, to the people. 
Hello, my name is Esau McCauley. I am an assistant professor of New Testament at Wheaton College, a contributing opinion writer for the New York Times. And I have only one kid's book that's coming out. I think it may be out by the time this comes out. It comes out in May. It's called Josie Johnson's Hair and the Holy Spirit. Yes, yes. we love it. So see, who do you want to ask the people? <laughs> oh, tis I. So many questions, so many questions. So I'm so I'm I am a person that was so deeply shaped by children's books and children and books written mm-hmm. for uh children across um kind of their developmental spectrum. So very, you know, pre-K all the way up to adolescent writing, et cetera, et cetera. And although I was reading books that probably were not children's book at times, but but reading was a really big part of my formation, having a mom who was a public school educator. And so I almost think about people who write children's books as having like superpowers. <laughs> um, I think of it as just, just an amazing exercise um, in creativity and compassion. And I think it's harder to, to teach children, to take big concepts. But if you can teach children, I think you can probably teach anybody. They're are, there are the advanced people of society in my mind. So tell me a little bit about, uh, for those of you who um, think kind of own this title as a children's book author like Darina, but also compared to someone like Isa, like this is your first children's book. Tell me a little bit about how children's books shaped and informed you in your own development. And so Darina, why don't we start with you and then whoever like to, to go in first, go, go second, you can signal us. Mm-hmm. Well, I will say for me that I feel so honored to write for children because I absolutely believe that books are a powerful shaping tool. Um, as you said, Christina, we can all sit and think of books that shaped our minds and our hearts. And I think when we come to our black and brown children today and the things that are going on in the world that we live in, books are such an important and critical and creative way that um, we can disseminate information, that we can shape their hearts and their minds with um, the values and the information that they need um, really to, um, to come around them and to ensure that um, the harmful ideologies of the world systems aren't you know, creeping in. And so we're safeguarding them. Um, and that's really an opportunity that the adults, the parents, kids ministry leaders, aunties and uncles who are, are surrounding and, and, and raising up these kids have. And, uh, and so I think children's books are such an important and practical way to do that. I would add that um, because you mentioned how, first of all, we don't have superpowers, but <laughs> I received that. that but, I, <laughs> but I will say that one of the things that has been great, I would be very close to Esau in that I don't claim myself as a children's book author, but one who has kind of fallen into it because I saw a need. And, but as I've learned this skill, because it is a skill, it's a unique, it's a different skill than writing all sorts of things, is that it helps me understand and explain truth. Mm -hmm. So I have to learn how do you um, encapsulate and sum up, summarize a big concept like the Imago Dei, the image of God into one word. So it has actually, uh, something you said, Christina, it, it has sharpened my, first of all, my understanding of big theological concepts, but also how I can explain it to other people and my own children, which is my first discipleship. And so, so it is, it is a, it's a unique exercise in in, in the way that in developing language and help helping me understand and sharpen um, the way I communicate. And so, and so for those who are, who are listening, who might be eager and excited about writing for kids, I do think that there is a beautiful exercise <laughs> in it, but also it sharpens you. Mm-hmm. It, it's, I think everyone should try to figure out how do you, how do you tell it to a little children? Mm-hmm. And that will, I, I believe, sharpen the way you communicate um, to all people. And um, so I just wanted to add that, that I, I second your what you've seen. And also, if you if I can take a moment, you ex- sharing about your background and your mother just really explains so much about the way you communicate. I just <laughs> absolutely love <laughs> Um, follow you and and your wisdom, and now seeing how you you've been um, instilled that by a public school teacher, I think ah that makes sense. I, I just think yeah. that 
we get this opportunity to invest in the next generation um, in ways that could have lasting mm-hmm. effects. And that is an honor. And so I just wanted to say that I, we can see that grace in your life. Mm-hmm. Well, wow. Thank you so much. And I'm, my mother will be very pleased with that, <laughs> with that comment. I'll be sure to send her this episode, you know, and, and Julia, you have a book where you take some of the con- concepts from the book of James, one of my, one of my yeah. most favorite and challenging books of scripture. And you present that to, uh, to children in a so way um, that is, that is so beautiful and, and, reading it so convicting. I feel like I want to give it to all the grownups, actually, um, <laughs> is, is your book. And, and Isa, I want to pull you into the conversation as well. And then on to you, Christy, because you do something really unique. You kind of shepherd the stories of adolescents so that that we can understand them, adults can understand them. So Isa, tell a little bit about children's book in your yeah. life. Well, interestingly enough, I didn't grow up reading children's books. I had a single mom who worked nights and so to be honest, we were often put to bed by whoever she could find to babysit us. But my mom was a woman of faith. And so she took us to church on Sundays and she would have mm-hmm. us watch, you know, the, you know, those kind of super books and all of those kinds of things. Yeah. But really, most of my parenting then has been kind of as an adult has been making it up as I've gone along, doing the best that, with the wisdom she gave me to, to kind of build a different world for my children. And as I as a parent myself. And as I began to read books with my children, I got to do the thing that my mom never got to do, which is at the end of the day, sit down with her children, with my children and read stories to them before they went to bed. So I count that as a tremendous privilege. Um, and it's a privilege not all, all moms have. Um, but what I, but I, but as I began to do that, I began to see how little representation there was, um, of something that was, that was culturally black and that affirmed our blackness. And had shared the spiritual values that my mom gave me. And so I often think about the imagination of my children um, because I know what anti-Blackness does to their imagination. And I'm always thinking mm-hmm. as a parent, how can I counter that with a better with a better image? That's and right. so for me, Josie Johnson here and the Holy Spirit was my attempt to begin to do that. And the other thing, and I don't want to say too much more about this, is really about what's worthy of our time. In other words, I wrote an adult book, Reading While Black, but my my kids were never going to read, but they're going to read it for another decade or so. And I thought, you know, sometimes we think we're too good to do things for children. Mm-hmm. And I said, you know, oh, yes, yes. Dollar, forget all of that. Like, what about these kids? Mm-hmm. And I felt like young black children were worthy of my time and my creativity. Mm-hmm. And so for me, just the existence of this book is a way of me saying to young black kids, you're worth our mm-hmm. time. That's right. So I would say those two things that were um, that were crucial to me: one, forming my children's imagination, and two, just saying to people like our talented and gifted people shouldn't just think about the adults because they got to get from here to there, and that kids are worth our time. Absolutely, that's, and that's a good reminder for all of us, right? Um, there are no grown-ups or grandparents in the kingdom; all children of God, and it's just a, a good reminder to us. Christy, let me pull you into this conversation because, uh, as I mentioned, you, I think, do something that is so important. You kind of shepherd the stories of adolescents that really help us to see ourselves better. So, talk a little bit about the role of children's books in your life. Yeah, because I was going to say, I don't consider myself a children's book author. Um, You know, I think those are special people. You're all special. Um, I feel like I'm a children's or maybe a a young people's interpreter more than anything. And I I don't know what the market is for that. I feel like I uh, may follow in the footsteps of, you know, Monique Morris. I tried to at least, uh, you know, and and her work and um, helping to articulate you know, the needs of, of young black girls. I was with my, uh, my god sister in, in Atlanta for a day. I flew in and out of Atlanta yesterday for her birthday. And my niece is 12 and we, she's, you know, a typical. And, uh, and so we were at the table and her mom was like yelling at her a little bit. She's got her cell phone out and some other stuff. So her mom went to the bathroom and I said, it must be really tough being a 12 year old, huh? And she's like, yeah, I guess or whatever. I would give her a hug. And I was like, I said, nobody understands you. Only your friends get you, you know? And she was like, oh, like, as though I said something that like, no, none of us know, you know, we all know that. But the fact it was like her face when I said that was like, how did you know? Yeah. You know? And I was like, 
I get it, girl, you know, and I think a lot of us, um, you know, no, I'm not like the, the young people whisperer. I think we all, you know, have have insight because of our experiences growing up. But I do feel like it's a particular calling of mine to help articulate the uh, the pain, the struggle, the lives, the joys, you know, all of that um, to put that onto paper. You know, I mean, we can say that about, you know, oh, well, why was Martin Luther King chosen? You know, well, not just because of his background, his experience, but the fact that he was able to articulate yeah. the struggles of people that weren't able to articulate it for themselves. Mm. So I feel that about young people. I feel like that's my calling um, to see, okay, you were talking about the uh, Imago Day a little bit earlier, you know, um, through Black girls' lens, like how do Black girls interpret the Imago Day? Right. Um, and how can we, you know, sort of like use that interpretation in words that adults will understand? Mm. So while we're trying to interpret the Imago Day for young people so that they can understand, well, they have a perception of how they get it. And we need to hear from them. We can learn sort of it's a vice versa. It's a reciprocal relationship. So that's what I hope my, my I guess, mark would be in the future. And I just happen to have a children's book or young people's book, but I can't say that was my idea. You know, the publishing company's like, oh, the book's doing well. You should have a children's book. And I was like, okay. You know, so I, I went with it. Um, and I'm grateful for it because I think young people need to see, you know, representations of themselves. Um, but mm-hmm. I, I'm not going to front and act like I'm, you know, a children's author. I'm just, you know, I, I guess I am. At some point, I'll embrace it. Hey, you know, maybe hey, there'll be another have, one. But. You, got, you got a book. We, we had the same experience. And Kimmy, I remember with, with uh, Morgan Harper Nichols. And, and I was like, oh, well, you're a poet. And she was like, no, I'm not. I was like, uh, yeah, 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 you are. <laughs> like, what's happening right poet. now? What is happening? <laughs> what is happening right now? Well, I, I, I think she fully embraces that now. Okay, I really good. Like, what was that? Jeez. Yeah, like the second season of True Stable, she was on. That's true. You know, that's you know, that's why I love this panel, though, um, Christy. I think that's why it's so important that you all are here because um, you kind of represent, in my mind, the young adult. So YA um, author. I don't know if you you might not own that title, but I that's the way I see. You know what you do. You don't. Let me say you don't yet embrace that title. Let me say. <laughs> But you know, uh, Truth Table has a a a, 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 a history of prophesying. Uh, you know, <laughs> so- <laughs> well, you know what? Let me go back because Parable the Brown Girl got two yeah. awards, right? When I tell you they're the most random, because the book is an adult book. It's just about black girls. Yeah, yeah, you know. Um, and so you know, to get like, oh, best children's book, not a children's book, and then the other one was like. <laughs> Young adult something. And I'm like, I mean, kind of, you know, but they just couldn't figure out how to categorize it. I thought that was funny. That you know, thanks. so funny. So yeah, I just think, so anyway, I just love, I love, I love the, um, the variety that we have here on what you all, your, your, diff, your various topics. You know, I think what I've always found so admirable about young adult authors or children authors is just the ability to speak to them and their felt needs. Like, how can you talk to us about how you access um, that uh, that dialogue, you know, and that space to be able, how do you, trans- do you transport yourself to 12-year-old Trillia? Do you transport yourself to eight-year-old Esau? You know what I mean? Like, how do y'all write for children? Like, you know, I think I just, there's just a sense in which there just feels like there's such a chasm where it's like, can I speak their language? If that makes sense. Like, how do y'all do it? What's your process? I am blessed to have four kids in my house okay. and that's my audience. And they like the good thing about kids, they don't have filters. <laughs> so they're bored. They just get up and walk away. Right. That's right. That's and so right. When, I was, when I was writing stories, I would read it to them. And when they got when they when they zoned out, I said, OK, this isn't working. Uh, so I, I, I had a focus group in my yeah. house. <laughs> and I also I also had I also have to parent have to parent them. And so a lot of this stuff is fictionalized accounts of real life. So, for example, I asked my daughters all of the time about their hair mm. and I asked them. And, and I, I don't I don't, have a, I don't have a better word for it other than like trauma checks. Yeah. But you don't just tell the kids, are you being racially traumatized? But you just ask them, like, well, how was school? Did anyone touch your hair? Did anyone say anything about your skin? Like, and you're just asking. And you can and you and you can't tell them, have you been a victim or something? You're just asking how's yeah. life. Yeah. 
And so listening to them and hearing them becomes the fruit. So for me, I'm not, I'm going to be honest. It comes from my experiences um, as a parent and thinking about what works for my children. Okay. Thank you, Isa. Wow. Anybody else? How about you? Well, I was going to say same, but every, so I love the diversity even within the writers on here. So most of my writing is teaching Bible. So I'm taking Bible, biblical concepts and teaching them. So I've taught in Sunday school. Mm. So local church teaching. And I, so that kind of experience helps me to um, learn how to translate some of that, the biblical language into easier language, but not dumbed down language, which is very important because kids, if they can learn algebra, they can learn the Bible. (laughs) So we don't need to dumb it down. Anyways, but that's another topic. But so I'm trying to figure out how to speak their their language on their learn where they're where they are where they're learning, and Creative God Colorful Us, which is a chapter book. I took it a step further, and I'm challenging them, asking them to ask hard questions about their life, about their heart, about the way they view people, mm-hmm. to repent <laughs> because they can. Yeah. A 12 year old can can confess a sin, so. But these are also very similar to Esau. I was a 12 year old, so I don't, I'm not that, I'm, I am far removed. Okay. But I'm not so removed that I don't understand some of the struggles, but also I have children who are teenagers. So I'm, I had them tested. I tested these things, mm-hmm. asking them and other people to read and see if if they relate or if they uh, have feedback or thoughts or is this really actually a struggle or am I projecting? <laughs> am I assuming this is? And you learn so much, but it is um, kind of a testing, asking your your the people, or your audience, does this help you? Um, but it is also from some experience. And then again, in for what I do, it's teaching. So I'm I'm discipling. So I'm thinking of what's the truth and how can I distill it in a way that um, makes sense to the reader, but does not dilute the word. So that's what that's what I do. That's good. That's good. Darina or Christy, do y'all have anything to add to that? I would add um, as well, I I feel like I would be remiss if I didn't shout out the beautiful work of editors um, because (laughs) my degree is in psychology. And so I did not go to school with the intent to get a degree to learn the craft of writing books for children. Um, I have great admiration and respect for people who do, but that's not the lane that God called me to. I was a first lady and a bridge builder and a stylist and a couple other different things. And God kind of interrupted my life plans with some story seeds and I had to lean into it. And so um, I just shout out, you know, the beautiful work the editors do for an author like myself who has a burden, who's passionate, who has concepts, um, who wants to be like Jesus, who took, you know, um, you think through the parables that Jesus spoke, you know, to, to the reference of, of the beautiful wording that Christie's used and how Jesus would take these grand um, theological ideas and break them down using relatable things to the audience of his day, you know, his Middle Eastern culture. And mm-hmm. so I feel very much like I am trying to walk that same thing out as I take concepts like colorblindness. How do we correct that and give kids a better narrative? Um, in my forthcoming book about Juneteenth, how in the world do you teach children about the the reality that humans being enslaved was wrong and why they were enslaved and why Juneteenth was so important and how terrible it was that it took two years for our enslaved brothers and sisters in Texas to find out about that, you know? So I would also want people to know that it's incredibly difficult to take those concepts and break them down for children ages four to eight. Um, I didn't know when I started writing books for children that it is not easy to break these concepts down into a limited word count. And Trillia knows all about that as an editor, but oh my word, <laughs> you know, you, I mean, there are limitations and, you know, and, and then I think, okay, I've got it at a good place. And the editor's like, actually, you're still speaking to older children. You got to bring it down even more. And so it's, it's, um, it is not easy, but it's beautiful. And so again, I shout out mm. the beautiful work of editors and for me, you know, learning 
to break those concepts down like Jesus did as he centered children, as he said that the greatest in the kingdom were children. So if anything, when people um, sort of kind of suddenly want to shade the fact that my writing has been primarily for children, I remind them that when his disciples argued about greatness, Jesus brought a child in the midst and said, this is who you need to be like, is this child. And so it's truly an honor. I'm writing for the greatest. That's what I tell people. I write for the greatest and that's the children. Writing for the greatest. Yes. The greatest, the children. Awesome. How about you, Christy? How do you, how is it that you were able to speak to the teens, the young adults, that 12 year old, like, you know, how, how are you able? Yeah. Well, and I say, well, and, well, and, and, ter- and share their stories with us because I really think of Christy as your work yeah. of you're yeah, giving us a gift story. of their story. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. I um very similar to my colleagues here. Um, I I mean my audience right now or my the, the demographic that I'm writing about at currently because it may shift mm-hmm. um, is black girls. So. Um, what I try to do is number one, I get try to get a wide variety. I do have access to black girls based off of just my, my mentoring relationships, my you know becoming and um, who I'm working with at the boarding school. But I think it's also really important that um, it's for me. I don't want if there's similarities that I see across the board. I don't want to make blanket statements about black girls and it be like black girls just within my sphere. So I try very hard to. Like I was on Zoom the other day with a girl. She's in, you know, she's in Nashville. Another one was in St. Louis. You know, like I try to get a wide variety of backgrounds just to see the the interweavings of like, you know, the similarities. Before again, before I'm say this is, you know, this is what Black girls deal with. I want to make sure I have a good focus group that is, you know, beyond my sphere. So that's for starters. But then I let the girls' stories guide the chapters. Uh, for the first two books. I don't know if it'll necessarily be like that for the third, but it likely will. So I don't really have an outline until I've sat with them or until I've sat with their story and with their narrative. So if I'm going to write a concept about like I have in Parable of the Brown Girl, there's Parable of the White Acting Brown Girl. Mm. I didn't really come up with that title until after I sat with Jana, Mm. until after I sat with her story and was like, okay, I see what's happening here, Mm -hmm. you know? I don't put my stuff on them, um, even though I've been a black, I'm a black, you know, yeah. black girl growing up, you know, I have the same, very similar experiences, but I'm trying to be really careful to let them tell their story the way that they need to, and then allow the chapter to speak to their experience. So when people say like for Unbossed, how did you assign a leadership style to each girl why well, didn't just assign a leadership style and then say oh this is who kennedy is no i sat with kennedy and you know was able to get her story and then after going back and listening and i was able to interpret that and say okay kennedy she's a pace setting leader you know like and then go and do the research from there so they're the experts um they're the ones that you know it's like they they know what it means to be a black girl mm-hmm. they know black girlhood and I can't assume my experiences onto them. So I just allow them to um, be the experts in their story. And then I try to interpret from there. But if I take the approach as though like I'm the author, um, it doesn't really work. I have to be the teacher. I have to be not the teacher. I have to be the student. Um, and they're the teacher. Mm-hmm. And that's sort of the disposition that I take before I before I start writing. Wow. You know Thank you so much. I was, yeah, I was, as I was listening, I was thinking about the themes of um, both patience uh, and humility um, and teachability and in, in all that each of you shared, just the importance of, of patience in the process and respect for the, the people, um, the children, um, for the teens and um, for the, the themes that you're trying to, to bring about and that you do so so well in, in all of these books that you all have referenced. We're going to take a pause and then I got a question for y'all <laughs> when we come back. So we'll take a short break and we'll be right back. Truth's Table, Black Women's Musings on Life, Love and Liberation is a classic in the making, according to Tracy Michelle Lewis Jiggett, author of Black Joy, Stories of Resistance, Resilience, and Restoration. New York Times bestselling author Dr. Jamar Tisby says that people often say, listen to Black women. Now at Truth's Table, you have your chance. 
We don't deserve the gift of this book, but once again, Black women have generously served us all. If we are to actually alleviate the immense burdens our sisters bear, then we must heed their words. T. Morgan Dixon, co-founder of Girl Trek, says this, There is a textured knowing in this book, a spiritual enlightenment, made brighter by the author's own personal breakthroughs. The way they describe the fabric of our collective trauma makes me trust their solutions. And Dr. Joy Hardin-Bradford, founder of Therapy for Black Girls, says that Truth's Table, Black Women's Musings on Life, Love, and Liberation, shines a light on some of our most vulnerable places as Black women, leaving no stone unturned. Truth's Table, Black Women's Musings on Life, Love, and Liberation, is a clarion call to consider our communal truths by opening ourselves up to a deeper inner truth. By Truth's Table, Black Women's Musings on Life, Love, and Liberation, wherever books are sold. See, I know that you get questions all the time about Bible study and how to study your Bible. What do you tell the people? Well, you know what? First of all, I'm excited that they want to study, right? But I also recognize that, you know, one of the things that really used to intimidate me about just studying scripture is that I would just, I would get overwhelmed with the text, right? And so one of the things I emphasize to people is to get yourself a a translation of the scripture that's easy for you to read, right? Because if it's easy for you to read, right, and there's accuracy as well, right, then you're going to enjoy reading. You're going to be more likely to sit at the table and open up your Bible and do that. And the Christian Standard Bible, for example, is easy to read, making it more likely for you and I to stick with our actual Bible reading. How about you? Well, yeah, you know, um, you're right about that. This The CSB, the Christian Standard Bible, CSB, is a Bible translation for everyone, uh, wherever you are in your faith. And we know that people at the table are at different points in their faith and maybe even have some struggle opening up their word. And so the CSB's translation is for you, as this Bible has several editions and resources to help you along your journey of lifelong discipleship to Jesus, which is our goal here at Truth's Table. In addition, the CSB offers dozens of different editions to help readers engage with scripture in new and different ways. So if you're a journaling person, they got journaling by. Hey. If you are a <laughs> meticulous study, if the studier, if you are a Berean, they got study Bibles. Hey, hey. Uh, <laughs> they have commentary Bibles, just to name a few. There's an edition for everyone. So E, where can people go to get the Christian Standard Bible. They can go to csbible.com. I'm going to repeat it one more again. That's csbible.com. Black women have been at the forefront of social change for generations. Harriet Tubman, Dorothy Height, and Shirley Chisholm are familiar names. Less familiar is their leadership style, which has influenced a whole new generation of girls and women. In Unbossed and Black Girls Unbossed, educator, advocate, and award-winning author Christy Lauren Adams offers stories from the front lines of modern Black girlhood to inform and inspire. Unbossed, How Black Girls Are Leading the Way is an insightful inquiry into the lives of eight young Black women who are agitating for change and imagining a better world. Black Girls Unbossed, Young World Changers Leading the Way, is the brightly illustrated companion book specifically written and designed for readers ages 9 to 12. We will be hearing about the young Black women you meet in these books for decades to come. Like their foremothers in earlier freedom movements, Black girls are transformational leaders. They are pace setters, strategic thinkers, visionaries, mobilizers, activists, and more. Their stories may often be overlooked, but Black girls are leading the way. Get your copies of Unbossed and Black Girls Unbossed now anywhere books are sold. Well, thank y'all so much for sitting at the table with us and sitting at the table with these authors who have just generously given us their time today. We are learning and learning. You know, this is this is my question. You know, I've got this. Um, you know, I got this psychology family therapy background, and so this is my, so this is more maybe slightly pick, really try to try to know you a little bit better. Can can each of you share with me the story that you needed to hear about as a kid? Mm-hmm. What's the book that you, that you, maybe you received the book or maybe it, it wasn't there for you, but what is, what is that book? What is the book that you would have wanted mm-hmm. to pick up? Um, I think, can I, can I jump in yeah, first? Go, go ahead. Um, I was, forgive me, this might end up being a commercial for um, Truth Tables book. When I was reading oh. the chapter on life, love, well, it was called life, love, and liberation. When I was reading the chapter on colorism, mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. It helped me understand a lot because I was, I'm dark. I'm like black, black. And there was a lot of colorism amongst like the black people in my neighborhood. And so nobody ever really said anything about, you know, it's okay to be a dark skinned black man. Mm-hmm. And so um, in some sense, what I wrote with Josie Johnson about my daughter's hair um, and affirming like the black part, the black, black parts of mm-hmm. you, if that makes any sense. It's something out that I think that would have been important for me at the time because there was there wasn't a lot of models and there wasn't a whole lot of um, a whole lot of discussion yeah. around that issue. Mm. So, anyways, that, that's a commercial for the adult book. But as I was thinking about, that's mm. been in my mind when you said what you said. It's powerful. Yeah. So 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 mm. important, Esau. You know, I was I just to go on a little rabbit trail. I just started uh, watching a remake of a cartoon that was out a few years back. So they brought this cartoon back again. And there's some characters on there who, who represent kind of the bullies of the neighborhood. And one of the things they do is that in the way they draw these bullies, there's this kind of uh, bluish colored skin. Mm-hmm. So there's a, you know, there's a clear kind of mapping on mm-hmm. of um, that, that the villain, these villains are kind of dehumanized by this bluish skin that represent these dark skinned black kids. And that, and I'm just thinking about, you know, this, just the power of that imagery and how we have to forcefully counteract that while we have to be on assignment and mission pushing that back and that that has african-american creators um maybe not funders but they got african-american creators and how it's just so important that we push back because it's to your point esau there are uh thousands and thousands of 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 little esau's who need to be reminded of the intentional beauty of their dark skin given by god anybody else what's the what's the book for you what's the what's what's your book that you that that um, would have maybe given you what you needed as the young you. I will say, um, and I certainly don't mean to be pumping my own book, but when I think of Crown with Glory, the one that it's just most recently released, um, I think of growing up as a black girl in both white and <laughs> thank you, Christina, <laughs> in both white church and black church spaces. So we kind of moved in and out um, during seasons of my childhood and. I I would love to have seen representation of a, a girl who who weaved in and out, you know, having white friends, having black church context, mm-hmm. and trying to um, be reminded of my own beauty as I looked around me. As I have spreads in the book where she's yeah. looking around and she's comparing herself. As yeah. am I as pretty as the girls I see? I am an original. I'm free to be me. And I would love for young Darina to to have had those reminders that I'm free to be exactly who God made me. The way I look, the things I love, the family that I'm in, the friends that I have. I am free to be, yeah, yeah, yeah. and I don't need to compare myself. And and if we're honest, those are struggles that continue in adulthood. Those are struggles I continue to talk right. about with my own children who are now young adults, um, reminding them, you don't have to compare yourself to anyone else. Who you are, the person that God created in his image is beautiful. You're an original. You don't need to copy anybody else. Amen. Well, I'd agree with you in that, like, we write the books that we needed, you know? So I don't know if it's like a shameless plug to, I mean, that's not what I'm referring to, but yes, thank you. We, we believe but it, we, we believe in an unshameless plug here. <laughs> but we do, I think, you know, we have, that. that's what uh, Maya Angelou or who was it, Toni Morrison or Maya Angelou, one of them was like sort of write the book that you Need Tony, yeah. something along those lines. Mm-hmm. It was Tony, um, and so that's how that's what I think of when I am writing these. And for me, even though you just put out on boss, so thank you. Mm-hmm. But when I, I had I had in mind when, when I think about mm-hmm. Parable of the Brown Girl and the concepts in it, those were all theological frameworks that I needed for my identity as a black girl. <laughs> I don't feel like I had theological frameworks for black girlhood, which is something that I want to continue to explore. So, you know, what is a theological framework for the, the, the myth that we always have an attitude, or like I said, the, the not fitting in feel like, Oh, I talk like a white girl, you know, that, that type of thing where people are accusing you of that or, you know, the body or the weakness and the, um, you know, the, the strong black woman, what was the theological framework for strong black woman? Those are the things that I was thinking of. But I definitely needed that, especially as a girl, you know, grew up in the black church, like, you know, I was very much a church girl growing up. Mm-hmm. 
I don't think I had theological frameworks for my black girlhood. I think I had, we had general theological frameworks, right. That were like presented to us. Um, so that being like, you know, yes, I'm made in God's image and, you know, those things, those, those different types, but nothing that was specific to my intersectional self. Yeah. That's what I need more of. And that's what I would like to black, I would like for black girls to have more of. So that's something that I would like to continue to explore. It's so interesting hearing all of the different answers because I was like, yes, me too. Yeah, me too, <laughs> me too, me too. And so where I might be a slightly different, I didn't grow up in the church. I didn't become a Christian until the age of 22. Right. So, mm-hmm. so none, a lot of the things that I struggled with would have likely been trying to reckon trying to figure out why I had such a justice oriented heart, but it wouldn't have been just like biblical, just justice in general oriented heart. I love for people, but I was often rejected by everyone. So white people rejected me because I was black, black people rejected me because of the way I spoke. And so it was just kind of this, like, who am I? But yet, my because of my dad, I especially, I I had a self worth. I didn't. I never struggled with my worth worthiness. It would have. I felt well. I'm my dad's daughter. I'm you know. And so I I felt a sense of worth, self worth. However, it wasn't until I became a Christian I think that I started to place some. Because I'm made in the image of God, I would place, oh, that's why I have a heart for justice. God is a God of justice. Oh, that's why I have a love for others. God's called us love. So as a common grace image bearer, I was working these things out. So what's the book that I would have wanted? Um, The book would likely, and this is going to sound very Christian-y, but... (laughs) (laughs) I really wish I would have understood God, like the Bible, I understood, oh, I am, these things are because God has created you. Mm-hmm. So that is, it's so funny because we've all said we write the book we wish we had. Well, that's why I wrote God's Very Good Idea. Yeah. <laughs> it's because I'm teaching these kids of the, this foundational truth about the Imago Day and about the gospel and about the family of God. It's just real. It's this foundational truth that if it gets in their hearts now, it could transform their lives forever and also give them that security to walk as a, it's, it's a, it's as a black woman or a black girl or as a Latino. So it's a, it's abroad. It's for all nations. And so, so I wanted, um, so if that is, that's so interesting that we do write the books we want or we need. It's so interesting. But as as uh, you were saying that, I thought, yes, that's actually why I've probably written all of the books I've written. Yeah. And so and so that is it. That's I, I, I second everything that has been said. And um, and it's really it's an encouraging thing that the Lord has given us the opportunity to do that. That's beautiful. You know, yeah, it reminds me and I. I hope this is not a wrong quote, but it's like you you're writing the book that your soul um, that your soul must have. I think that's Dr. Katie Cannon. I could be wrong on that, but it was a black woman who said that. I do think it was Dr. Katie Cannon that said that, though. Um, you know, I know we are close to our time. And since we have so many mm-hmm. of y'all at the table, I do want you all to have a chance to talk to our uh, sisters at the table, our uh, folks in the standing room section about, um, first of all, give me, maybe give us some practical advice on, um, you know, on, on stories, you know, that you can tell and then where they can buy your book, books, how they can support you, how they can follow your work. So can you give our, our listeners some practical advice about yes if they, if they have a story that they want to tell and there's no doubt that people mm-hmm. are listening and, and, and inspired by you all um they're inspired by what you have done and so just yeah one as he was just saying just one bit of advice as they as they prepare to write their story uh to bless the world that you would give them 
and then yeah, and then and then plug away. Shameless, unshameless, un, un, unshameless. No shame. No shame. <laughs> I'll start. Um, <clears throat> I'll say that the hardest thing for me every time I write a book uh, or anything um, is imposter syndrome. Um, that is, that's the biggest obstacle feeling like you have, um, you know, that other people are better or whatever. Other people have other stories that are more comparable, but here's the thing. Like we each have a unique gift, a unique story to tell. Like we each need each other to do our part. Um, and that's very Corinthians. That's very Bible, right? Like we're all members of one body, but um, you know, even if you're not a person of faith, we each have our our mm-hmm. part to play. And so, um, I just want to encourage you know anyone to you're playing your part in this orchestra. You know, I remember I was like second chair violin and was like you know didn't didn't like that. But then as a, as I really like continued to play, I was like, oh my gosh, I don't need to be first chair. Like I just need to play my part, and that's what makes the orchestra, the the symphony, the sound so well. So. Just want to encourage everyone, like to just your part is so important. We need you to do your part so that we can continue to do our part, so that God can really do what God does um, in this world. Um, you know, my books. I have a book called Unbossed: How Black Girls Are Leading the Way, and then a, a middle grade version of that book, um, Black Girls Unbossed, and then my first book, Parable: of The Brown Girl. All that is available. Just Google. Um, <laughs> you know, find me on Instagram. I mean, there's so many different places. I, I interviewed with this independent bookstore the other day and she was like, where can we find your book? And I was like, go to Barnes and Noble, blah, blah, blah. And she was like, or our store. And I was like, oh, right. I am interviewing. This book. <laughs> so I have stopped doing all I've just been like, just Google me, <laughs> Google the books. <laughs> Cause that was like really embarrassing. <laughs> awkward. awkward. It was very awkward. It was horrible. actually. <laughs> yeah, it's, that was a setup. It was like, you know, you wanted to buy from your store, sister. That's like when you're on a, a radio interview or you're calling to a radio and they're like, you know, what, what's, what's, what's the station that plays the best jams? And like, you don't say their name, you say another station. <laughs> That's kind of what that feels like, you know, so it was a setup, but you know, I know it's, it's all good. It's all good. Dorita, how about you? A bit of advice and then go ahead and plug. Well, your I would just encourage our listeners that it is never too late. Um, God gave me this calling five years ago at age 46. So, um, you know, you flow in what God has called you to do, whatever your age is, whatever your life experience. Um, and, and just to, to piggyback on what Christy said, you know, imposter syndrome is real. And, um, you know, grateful for platforms like this that give that opportunity that say our stories matter. and We want to share those with the world. So um, it's never too late. Fulfill the path and the call that God has called you to. Um, and Christy has set us all up. So, yes, just Google me. Go to my website um, and support our local black bookstores, um, wherever books are sold. Um, I do. I'm excited this May to have my Juneteenth story come out. It's a board book for pre-readers. So I'd love for folks to support that, buy it for the baby showers, for the little people. Um, And then this fall, Brown Baby Jesus, which is a Christmas story set in Egypt featuring, yes, I tell people, yes, it's featuring a brown Jesus. So that's coming out um, this fall. So we'd love folks to support both of those two. Oh, I love it. We need it. Beautiful. How about you? Trillia, how about you? I would um, encourage everyone to do what everyone's already said, but also step out in faith. I think most of the time we don't do whatever it is that we have been called to do or that we think we're called to do. We don't do it because of fear. And so my encouragement, challenge, and hope is that you would step out in faith and um, write it, speak it, whatever it is. In regards to how to find me, if you can spell my name, which is hard, <laughs> then you can find me. <laughs> but it's trillionnewbell.com. That's probably the easiest way to find everything. And in terms of books, so as I've mentioned, I I do have more kids' books coming, but it's a couple of years. But I do I have a book for an ad- adults coming out in November. May I share that? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> it's yes, <not>, ma'am. <laughs> it's called 52 Weeks in the Word. And I'm taking you through the entire scripture and with 
and 52 weeks of different types of reflections, but it's a year long study of the Bible. And so it's uh, quite the, it was been, it's been a challenge, a good one, but a lot of work. So <laughs> that's yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much for that. And Do- Dr. Esau, not last but not mm-hmm. least. Give us some advice and go and plug 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 your work, uh, bestseller. Um, well, I want to give some advice first. <laughs> um, I want to say you have to fail towards competence. Mm. Um, none of the stuff that I wrote at the beginning was very good. Um, at no point, mm. I remember I was I was writing. I was used to write for this group blog, and everybody's posts got more clicks than mine. I was like mm. the one who just they would just slide in on a on a Tuesday afternoon when nothing else was going on. And so I would just say, really, 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 you have to write and write and write and write and write. And 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 eventually, if, if God is giving it to you, you have to develop the talent. Yeah. And I think it's really hard to get through those first couple of years of just not being terribly good, unless other folks might have just been gifted from the jump. As far as my books, I mean, I'm just going to be honest. There's five black women on this thing. I'm not going to tell you all to buy my books. Buy every one of these books first. And if you got some money left over after buying everybody's on here's book, then you can consider mine. But I know Choose Table has a book that's coming out. I know all of these women have wonderful books that are coming out. Buy their books and spend all of the money. And this is really true. And I'll say this. The more black women books who sell, two things happen. I'm just going to keep it real. They get bigger advances. They can take care of themselves. And other black women get opportunities. That's so you, when, you, when you buy these books, you create opportunities for them because people believe it's not an, a market for what black women are doing. Yeah. So buy their books. Buy them for the culture. So that's the only thing I want to say. Thank, Thank you, Esau. Esau. Thank you, Esau. We appreciate you. That's so kind. See, that's how, that's how you get an invitation to come back. Wow. <laughs> That's how you don't break That's your face, you get- my brother. <laughs> Y'all, I'm just trying to get one end or the other to the table without causing any drama. I'm just That's right. That's why. right. I'm, That's in, right. I'm at the table and I'm still at the standing room spot. So I know why I'm at the end. Teacher brothers. Teacher brothers. I love it. I love it. Oh, my goodness. Well, thank y'all so much for taking a seat at the table with us. Wow. What a lineup of just excellent, passionate brothers and sisters that are writing for our babies. We want to thank you for taking a seat at the table with us this week. Let's keep the conversation going. Tweet us your thoughts about this episode. We love the kids, Black children writers, using the hashtag TruceTable. Black women, did y'all know that TruceTable has a Black women's discipleship group on Facebook? Well, now you do. Make sure to follow Truth Table on Facebook and join our Facebook group today. Invite your homegirls too. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Truth Table or email us your thoughts about this episode at asktruthstable at gmail.com. Don't forget to rate and review the show on iTunes and subscribe on your favorite podcast player. Truth Table has a Patreon account so y'all can send your love offerings to patreon.com slash truthstable or you can bless us at our PayPal, which is paypal.me slash truthstable. Truthstable is made possible in part by Pottery Studios. Visit pottery.com for the highest in quality online audio entertainment. Our producer for the show is Joshua Heath. Our executive producer is Bo York. Our video producer is Dale Bradford. And we have been your hosts, Akemini and Christina. We'll see you soon on the next Truth Table. Bye, y'all.